Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. So if you look in your Bible, please turn to Philippians 4. We're going to finish up that first section we started with uh, last week. Um, one of the things that is true for us as believers is that we have the benefit because of God's Word and because of what the Holy Spirit speaks into our heart. We have the benefit of actually seeing two different realities. And what I mean by that is that we see the reality of what's in front of us Sometimes the basic facts, the scientific facts, the reality of what is exactly uh, clear to us as we read a book, as we study a particular study, as we get the report that comes from a doctor or whatever. We have that reality. But we have another reality. And the other reality is one that is unseen. It's one that we can't see always with our eyes but it's the reality that exists in heaven. It's God's perspective. And so as we pray, and the benefit we have as believers when we pray is that we're praying with one reality in front of us and we're praying for another reality to become true. Let me give you an example of what I mean. I know, and with apologies to Stephanie, I know I belabored this point with her kidney transplant. But because of, our celebration here this last month, it's still front and center on my mind. When, when Stephanie had her transplant and the surgeon came out and said something didn't go right or didn't go like we expected. And so these are the realities. The kidney's going through a hyperacute rejection. Uh, we went ahead and Uh, closed everything up and hoping for the best but the best we can hope for is that by tomorrow the kidney will fail that reality was right in front of us that reality was all that we could see in the natural everybody with me and so we knew because we had prayed into a different realm And we'd seen so many different pieces of the puzzle come together in a way that was helping us to touch a new, a different perspective than what we saw in front of us. We knew that we could tap into that. Now, what I want to ask you is, as you think about this, how many of you have had things in your life where you got the facts and when you got the information, it seemed like there was no way possible things were going to change. Anybody have that happen? Okay. 
So with that in mind, I'm going to have you do something here in just a minute. I'm going to have you share that with one another. But as we had these facts of Stephanie's transplant in front of us and the reality of what the doctor said, what we did was we went back to all we knew to do, which was to get on the phone with everybody we could and get the prayer chain out there, whatever, get all the intercessors to start praying again so that we could pull from heaven a reality that we knew was true, but it was a different truth than what was in front of us. Is that making sense, what I'm trying to say? So it's like two layers of truth. And so we, we begin to pray into that. And so that explains why the next night when the nephrologist who was basing his perspective on certain results was saying it doesn't make sense and I don't really understand why it's happening but it's working I don't care why it's working but the kidneys working however it doesn't make any sense so in other words the truth that was in front of him and in front of us that truth had changed and now the truth was the kidney was working and that didn't make any sense. Why didn't it make any sense? It's because now we were into a different truth, a different level of reality that was a perspective from heaven because God had changed what was in the natural and what we could see. And so, even when an atmosphere is filled with confusion, even when the facts cause all sorts of anxiety, even when situations are occurring that steal our peace, that, there's no question that's reality. I mean, I, Kathy and I can testify to the reality of how we felt. It was depressing. It was discouraging. It was scary. It was as if someone had punched us in the stomach. Those were real. There's no, it's not, we're not trying, we're not talking about having some kind of Science of the mind where we try to pretend like they're not real. They were very real. But what we tapped into is we, we tapped into stepping into a different realm of ho grabbing a hold of something that, that changed what we saw in front of us. And I'd like to think that, that because when the nephrologist was saying, I, I don't really understand, I just like this new reality, we like the new reality too, an awful lot. But we also knew that the new reality was the result of a transition from where we were to now the answer to prayer. So in, in order to kind of set up things, what I'd like you to do is just take a few minutes and I'm going to give you, how are we doing? Okay, I'll give you about three minutes. What I want you to do is, is uh, you can get up and move around or whatever, and uh, I want you to talk to one another. I want you to, to talk, just share real quickly situations where you've had something like that happen, where you didn't know if it was going to work out, but God came through and changed everything. All right? Does that make sense? You're sort of nodding. I think you get it. All right, go. Take some time and just turn, turn around, talk to one another.
take about another minute or so. All right, if I could have you shift gears back to this direction. So, so to, to explain further what I'm trying to say, that's why when you look at stories in the New Testament in particular, or throughout the Scriptures, as an example, when, uh, well, somebody help me, one of you Bible scholars. It, I can't always, I never forget if it's Elijah or Elisha that, the story where they're having the battle and the, the servant says, you know, we're surrounded, what are we going to do? Elijah? Okay. So Elijah says, you're right. This is what's in front of you. There are, we are surrounded by an, uh, an army that looks insurmountable. But because of prayer and because of shifting into a different perspective, a different realm, a different view of things, Elijah was able to say to God, Jehovah, would you show the servant what I see? And do you remember what, the, what he saw? What did he see? He saw angel armies. And all of a sudden, what happened to his reality? His reality was, wow, we're in deep trouble. And what happened? His reality shifted from a perspective that said, we are facing sure defeat to, we're going to win this thing easy. It's the same thing of when the disciples said to Jesus, um, the people are tired and they need to go home and they're hungry. And you remember what Jesus told them to do? Why don't you feed them? So they ran down to Chick-fil-A and they picked up a lot of food and took care of it. Oh, it was Sunday. It was closed. No, it was back in those days. It was Saturday. And it was closed because it was the Sabbath. <laughs> no, he he said, "Well, see if we can gather up some food." And so they just had the small little pile of loaves and fishes from the little boy. That was a reality. And it's so interesting. In one of the Gospels, I forget which one, but Jesus holds up the loaves and fishes. And he thanks the Father. He enters into prayer because he knows there's a different perspective. So now, as they're handing out the loaves and fishes and fish and more fish and more loaves of bread continue to come out of the baskets. And then they gather up all that's left and there's enough to have a, uh, you know, they've had a food drive. There's enough to go give it out to other people. They, their whole reality shifted in that, pos in, in that whole circumstance. Both realities were true. But there's a different reality. And so the tension we constantly live in as believers, that tension that some people, theologians, have called the already and not yet tension, is we see a certain 
perspective, but there is a part that's still unseen. And we never know when the unseen is going to become seen, but how do we get a hold of it? We get a hold of it through prayer. That's the way it happens. So I want to go to the Philippians passage, Philippians chapter 4, and we'll go to verse 4. Right at the very end it says, Rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice. And then go on to verse 5. Let your reasonableness, reasonable, reasonableness, anyways, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. In other words, be kind. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So also, Steph, if you could go ahead and put up the, trans- the Passion Translation. And if... Uh, Go on to the next screen. Can we go a little bit here? Yeah, go to the next, next screen. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled request. Can we all agree, like I said last week, that we are constantly in a battle for peace and we're constantly in a battle for joy? And Paul said he described the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we're constantly in this battle to maintain our peace, to keep our joy, whether it's in our relationships to each other, in our relationships and our families. There are situations that are constantly occurring that challenge our ability to stay in His peace, to continue to enjoy His joy, and to stay righteous in the process and not lose our sense of perspective. We're in this battle, and as I mentioned last week, it's a mental battle, an emotional battle, and it's a battle of the heart where we praise, we give thanksgiving, And we fight the battle by praying without ceasing. And so, I want to talk specifically about prayer and try to give us a perspective that has to do with these different realities that I was talking about a few minutes ago. But the other thing I wanted to say before I say that is that that also is what gives us the ability. Let's let's just face a reality. How many of you walked in this morning and uh, you looked around and you're going, wow, so-and-so's not here. And it doesn't look like we have very many people here today. Okay? That's our reality. So we can make a choice. We can either, and, and that reality can affect our peace and joy. Right? I mean, it can affect, it affects my peace and joy. 
All right? That reality can affect our peace and joy. That reality can steal from us hope for the future. So we have, every time we face something like that, we have a choice to make. And the choice is we either look at the reality that's in front of us and decide that's what's going to define my perspective for the future. Or I stop and I step back and I say, Lord, what's your perspective for the future? That's why scriptures are, you find scriptures that talk about uh, you know, the, the beauty and the place of, of small beginnings. Because God is not controlled by the numbers of people. He's not controlled by budgets. He's not controlled by strategies. He's not controlled by management styles. He, he's controlled by a supernatural perspective of the kingdom. And what prayer does is helps us to get into that perspective. Now, I'm not suggesting, again, don't misunderstand me, I'm not suggesting that we look at something that's small or we look at something that's difficult and go, well, let's just pretend like it's not happening. I mean, if you go back to the story about Stephanie and her kidney transplant, Kathy and I couldn't sit there and go, oh, well, maybe the doctor's wrong. You know, let's just pretend like it's not happening. You know what? Just take all the, take all the uh, IVs out and all that stuff. We're taking her home because you sewed her up. She's good to go. We're going home. That would just be plain stupid. We still have to walk through the process. But we walk through the process by by turn, making sure we keep our perspective on Him in the midst of the process. And so the, in this passage, when Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always again, I say rejoice, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. He says something will happen. The peace of God which transcends understanding. Understanding is a form of reality. It's a form of, of perspective. It's a form of what I see. I understand what's in front of me. But I can have a peace that transcends what I see. And so we need prayer in the DNA of our Christian community because prayer is what releases righteousness, peace, and joy into the community. So what we need to do in the midst of any situation where we start losing our joy, what's our response? What should be our response? to complain about the person that's taking away our joy, right? Prayer. If we start losing our peace, what should be our response? Prayer. That's why Paul is saying, let your life be saturated in prayer. Why? Because his life was constantly being pulverized to take away his joy and peace. He had to battle... The, the shame of what he had done in the past when he went out and tried to destroy the church as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. In the midst of all of that, he's battling for something and he contends for it all of the time in prayer. It's prayer that generates right thinking that produces peace and joy in the community. And the peace and joy that he's describing is a peace and joy that's a taste of heaven on earth. It's, it's as we pray that God is released, released within us to unveil who we are in His eyes. And we're not talking about joy that's just based on conditional happiness. We're talking about the kind of joy that Nehemiah described when he said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
It's, it's the kind of joy that people that you know, most of us probably have someone you know that is going through tremendous difficulties and trial, but they're the most joyful person you know. It's like, how can they have joy in the middle of all that? Because they've grabbed a hold of a supernatural reality, which is giving them supernatural strength. It's patience or softness to know when to apply the strict letter of the law or not. It's the, uh, it's the peace that's able and the patience that's able to trust God even when it looks like God hasn't answered the prayer yet. It's that season when Jesus described it. He said, uh, knock on the door when you're looking for an answer to prayer. And what, ha- what does He say to do if we don't get an immediate answer to prayer? We keep knocking. We keep asking. We keep pressing into His reality. Now, sometimes it's because we don't know the greater picture and we don't know His timing, which is always perfect timing. Sometimes we don't know, as uh, our missional community learned last week as we were looking at Psalm 119, sometimes we don't know if there's some things that, the, the, that God as a surgeon needs to cut out of us in order to get us into the place that we need to be to receive that all that He's preparing for us. We don't know if that's the case. But what we do is we continue to press into those things even when we have things that try to rob our joy and our, our peace. And so we need to have prayer in the DNA of our Christian community. The second thing is that we need to have prayer or see prayer as the antidote to anxiety. In verse 7, or Paul says in verse 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Where, where does the peace of God come from? comes from the Holy Spirit. Where does the peace of God exist in infinite measure? Is it, are we experiencing the peace of God in infinite measure here? It exists in heaven. Can we experience a taste of that, that type of peace of God without anxiety, without any trepidation or fear of anything that's coming, can we experience any of that here? The answer is yes, because that's what Paul was saying to grab a hold of. And the way we grab a hold of it is through prayer. We grab a hold of it through every aspect of prayer. Intercession, supplication, praise, worship. And so if we can take a look at Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. We have that? Yep. I want to read this, and I want you to think about it in terms of this is the place where all the peace and joy that we need comes from. 
And as we think about it as being the place where all the peace and joy that we need comes from, here's my question for us. If this is where everything we need comes from, what's described in Revelation 4, which is a description of His throne, the place where prayer is always happening 24-7, why is it why is it that we don't spend more time there? What keeps us from getting there? What keeps us personally from getting there? What kinds of things are coming into our life that keep us from going to the place where we're really going to get peace and joy that's infinite in measure? So Revelation chapter 4. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders clothed in white garments, with golden crowns in their heads, on their, in their heads, on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and they worship Him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are You, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for You created all things and by Your will they existed and were created. Now, we don't have time to unpack everything in this chapter, but let me give you some quick highlights. Revelation 4 describes a setting of true prayer which produces righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy are a definition of the kingdom of God. And in this prayer, there are certain things that are described that describes you and me. First of all, there's a description of a throne. And there's a description of someone that's enthroned and seated on the throne. Who is that? God, and more specifically, Jesus. Jesus is seated on the throne. Paul says something in Ephesians chapter 2 about the throne, and if you think about the throne as being heavenly places, Revelation 4 is about a heavenly place, right? So where does Paul say you and I are seated? We are seated with Him in heavenly places. So our access to the throne is granted to us because of what Jesus did at the cross. And so what prayer is, is about taking our place of authority. So we join Him in terms of speaking into situations. That's why 
we can sing songs like we did this morning about uh, speaking to a mountain and telling it to be cast in the sea because we have that kind of authority. That's why we can have the authority to say to someone that's sick and, and has an affliction, be healed because we're speaking from the throne room. And then the ne- another thing is they're robed, in, they're robed in white garments. What does the picture of white always imply in the, in the Scriptures? Purity. And purity and, and righteousness that comes. And so all of us, because of the blood of Jesus, have been cleansed and made pure. So the robes of white are representation of the righteousness of Christ. So we have the authority of God because he, we're sitting with Him in heavenly places, and because we're seated with Him in heavenly places, when we have situations that are causing us anxiety, we can speak peace to the situation. Because at the end of the day, who's going to win this battle we're in? The devil or God? Let me try that again. At the end of the day, who's going to win this battle that we're in? God is. Are we sure? Okay, so, so when we're in authority, when we step into prayer into a place of authority and we're looking at situations where it looks like the devil is kicking our butt, we can say, you have no right in this place. You have no authority here. And because I'm positioned in a place where I'm seated in heavenly places and I'm speaking from authority and I'm robed in righteousness so you can throw whatever dirt as you want to. You can throw shame at me. You can throw despair at me. But it doesn't really matter. I'm wearing a robe that has, is, 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 is going to uh, cause all of that to be brushed off. It will not stick because of the blood of Jesus. And then, also in this picture, they have crowns. Crowns. Crowns are a picture, of course, of someone that's won a race or someone that's been victorious at the end of a, uh, a situation where there's been a battle. And there's, interestingly enough, two words for crowns in the New Testament. One is diadem, which is something that a ruler has, but the other word for crown is Stephanus. Pretty good one. Think about this for just a minute, you two back there. Stephanus means winner of a race or victor. So you all have permission to say to Stephen and Stephanie this morning, hi, victor. Hi, winner. Because that's really what this means. And so they all have crowns that represent winners of a race or victorious. And what that speaks to is we are all overcomers. And we don't pray from defeat. We pray from victory. We pray because the victory is already ours. We don't pray because we're hoping to get the victory. We pray because the victory is, as we sang this morning, the victory is yours. And because the victory is His, and we're seated with Him in heavenly places, guess what? We get to have it too. And so that's the perspective that John was seeing as he shares this vision from Revelation chapter 4. What's also interesting to notice, just real quickly, is there's flashes of lightning, rumbles of thunder, and there's voices that he keeps hearing. And let me tell you what I think those are. Moses, when he's on Mount Sinai, what did the uh, Israelites see when they were looking up at where Moses was? What did they see and hear? Thunder. They saw lightning. They heard thunder. And it scared them to death. Mount, the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, 
James and John are with Jesus. And all of a sudden, what, what's displayed for them to see and to hear? If you look at the examples, and I think it's uh, Matthew 17 and in, in the other Gospels, I forget which chapters, in that setting where the presence of God is manifested with Jesus, uh, James, John, and Peter, all three of them, see lightning, hear thunder, and they are shaken so much that Peter says, we need to build tabernacles for you right now because they have a visitation from God. What John is seeing is a visitation from God. And every time there's flashes of lightning, it represents the destructive power of God. I don't know if you remember this, but Jesus said to the disciples when they came back after casting out some demons, He said, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning. And there were rumbles of thunder which represent the deep yearning uh, within God's heart to reveal Christ to us and in us. And the voices are the voices of God's lovers or worshipers in heaven. And in heaven, there's no turmoil. Did I just hear a bell? <laughs> there's no turmoil. There's no surging seas of trouble. Instead, there's this flat sea of glass. And you know how you make glass? You make glass with sand and heat. And all the sand and the heat that you and I have experienced in our life are going to be part of that crystal sea where there's total peace and no anxiety. How many of you are looking forward to the day where there's total peace and no anxiety? What prayer is for is to ask God, could we have some of that now? And finally, prayer, two more things is that prayer is filling our thoughts with what is thought about in heaven. If we go back to the passage in Philippians, when Paul says to think about these things, keep your thoughts continually fixed on things that are pure and holy and lovely and anything worthy of praise. These, this is a vocabulary defining things according to God's vocabulary. It's not according to truth that you, you know, do you swear to tell the truth? Nothing but the truth will help you, God. That's not the truth we're talking about. We're talking about God's truth. We're talking about the truth that, that Paul talked about when he talked about the sword of the Spirit, which represents the truth that can even dig out the darts of the evil one when they happen to slip by the shield of faith. That's the truth he's talking about. We're not talking about the facts that are in front of us. We're talking about the truth that transcends. We're, talking about, we're not talking about peace that comes because everything seems like it's okay. We're talking about peace that transcends understanding. It's not, understand, it's not truth that comes because we understand it. It's truth that comes because he said it. That's what we grab a hold of. And the last thing is this. Prayer is a style of life that embodies the gospel of right thinking. Stephanie, if you could go ahead and put the Philippians 4 passage back up and just go down to verse 9. It says, What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. This is what Paul's describing to wrap this up. Remember when Jesus said, Come to me all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? 
I'll give you rest. And then he said what next? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The reason he said that is because he was a rabbi. And every rabbi had a yoke. Some rabbis had yokes that were very, very difficult. They were hard. They were taskmasters. There were some rabbis that you didn't want to volunteer for because you knew it was not going to be much fun. Jesus was saying, that's not my yoke. If you'll just stay yoked with me through prayer to my Father, what you will experience is peace that transcends understanding. So, to finish this up, what I want to say is this. I want you to think about the worst set of circumstances you've got going on in your life right now. Go ahead. Think about the worst set of circumstances, anything that's distressing you. And then I want to invite you to stand. And I want you to think about the situation that you're, that's come to mind. And I want you to think right now about that situation. Of how you've tried to fix it. What you know. What the facts are. Get yourself even to the place where it's insurmountable. And you don't even know. You don't even really know what the answer is to the question. In fact, you're not even sure if it's going to work out at all. And no matter how many times you've done it, no matter how many times you've asked God to help in that situation, what we're going to do right now is ask Him one more time. We're going to ask that this would be the time not just that you would get the answer, but you would also get an answer with peace that passes understanding. So Lord, we bring to you the burdens that are heavy, the burdens that are not easy for us to carry. And they're taking away our peace and our joy. Some of them are complicated enough, they're keeping us up at night. And so Lord, we turn from the distress, we turn from the confusion, we turn from the despair of not knowing what to do. And through prayer, we ask that what is true in heaven would be true on earth. And instead of having anxiety and confusion about this situation that we're facing, or the person we're praying for, whatever it is, we pray, Father, that You would fill our hearts and our minds with the peace that transcends all understanding. We ask in your name. Amen. Before we go, what I want to do is ask you to
close your eyes. And before you put your hands out in front of you, I want you to hear these words from Revelation 21. That I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne says, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. As you put your hands out in front of you, I just pray that the Lord would release these words to you. The hope, the reality, the words that Jesus told John to write as trustworthy and true, that there is a day for sure where there will be no sadness and no tears and no sorrow. There will be no mourning. But Jesus also said to pray what's that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I release to you the blessing today that even this day you would experience that which is true in heaven right now that would be true in your life today and this week. Amen. Go in peace.